Welcome to an emergency Purple Insider podcast. Matthew Collar here and joining me, a man who is available and excited to talk for an emergency podcast from the Pioneer Press, Jace Frederick. Jace, um, you know, it's uh, the Royal Rumble is on. A lot of people are watching that as we record this. <laughs> it is a Saturday night. And I just want to say how much I respect you and appreciate you for saying yes. Like you may cover the Timberwolves a lot of the time, but you are a football guy at heart for saying, yes, let's talk Jim Harbaugh interviewing with the Minnesota Vikings. What is up, man? I didn't realize the Royal Rumble is on. Um, I'm going to have to dip out. Thanks for having me on this first two minutes here. Uh, but no, they always say the best availability. I mean, the best ability. Wow, I botched that. The best ability is availability. So that's that's what I'm bringing to the table here. Right. They didn't say that you have to be able to say the best abilities. No, 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 no. Just to be available. Uh, Well, let's get right into this. I mean, so when Jim Harbaugh's name was floated because of his connection with Quasi Adolfo Mensa, my first instinct was to be like, nah, come on. Like, it wasn't even really something that I considered because our perception when they moved on from Mike Zimmer was you're going to go with someone young, someone new, someone fresh, someone that has, you know, ideas with analytics and everything else that can get on the same page with Quasi Adafo Mensa, and that those two can grow together. Like when you hear D'Amico Ryans or you hear Kevin O'Connell, you think like, yeah, that's right. Inexperienced people. And they could sort of find their way in this world as they build a roster together. If you hire Jim Harbaugh, your franchise is now named the Jim Harbaugh Vikings. Like he becomes the face, the decision maker, the power holder. Everything is about Jim Harbaugh if you hire him, which doesn't mean that that will not win games because it certainly did before in San Francisco. But I'm just surprised because that would be even a consideration for them. Do you agree with that? I think the one thing when we talk about like, oh, you got to go a different direction than Mike Zimmer, you got to go opposites, whatever the case might be. That makes sense if it's the same person who had just worked with Mike Zimmer now picking the next head coach. Like I want to go in a different direction. But when you pick the general manager and and now you have Adolfo Mensa come in and now he's picking his head coach. He doesn't have to pick the opposite of Mike Zimmer. He's picking whatever he idealizes. Um, and he doesn't care who the guy was before. He doesn't really care how things were before. It's not like he's like, let's totally flip the script because he doesn't even exactly know what that was. Uh, so he's going to go, okay, here's what I think is going to work. Or here's a guy who I've had my eye on for forever. I don't really care how this lines up with the past of this team. I'm going to do what I think is best. And if he's like, I watched Jim Harbaugh up close and personal. I worked with him. I think he would be dynamite in any situation. That's always been the guy I thought I would go after. If the opportunity arose, then that's what I'm going with. And it like past considerations don't really matter at that point. And yeah, like if they do go with Jim Harbaugh, like the Vikings will be more featured prominently on sports center, whatever the show might be, you know, all the NFL talk shows, like they will be up higher in those programs because people like to talk about Jim Harbaugh. So they'll definitely be pushed into the spotlight for that case. But you know, maybe the Vikings of new aren't, aren't scared or concerned about that. All right. Well, maybe a best way to ask you about this is, does this thing scare you about Jim Harbaugh? Okay. So how about this? Does it scare you that if Quasi Adafo Mensa hires Jim Harbaugh, that we know the real person who's pulling all the strings is Jim Harbaugh? And Quasi Adafo Mensa, I think, has a great direction for the team in mind, probably, right? Like a the analytics guy who wants to have everybody involved and listen to everybody's opinions and all those things. Um, but I think that that goes out the door if you hire Jim Harbaugh. Would that scare you that all of a sudden 
this is a guy who did not get along in San Francisco and was out the door really quickly in San Francisco after having a ton of success because he could not get along with the front office and get on the same page with it. I think it would be a little naive of Adolfo Mensa to think, oh no, I'll be, I'll be the one that tames the wild horse. Like, no, that's, that's, that's just not who Jim Harbaugh is. But does that scare you if that's the case? I just wonder, like, if that was the case, you know, and that's the way they split in San Francisco, then what side was Adafo Mensa on in that? I mean, who was he thinking was correct? Because if it's if he thought if he had a sour taste in his mind about in his mouth about Jim Harbaugh, as Jim Harbaugh's leaving San Francisco, then when Adafo Mensa not immediately go after Jim Harbaugh like that doesn't make any sense that doesn't line up to me there must be something where he's like I think Jim Harbaugh was right um I think he did things the way that I want to do things and frankly like if Adolfo Mensa thinks he would get steamrolled by Jim Harbaugh why would he target Jim Harbaugh you know like I mean if you're coming in you're thinking this is my opportunity I'm going to do this a certain way I don't think he I, I know the concern of like you can get run over by other people uh, but I don't think you would start it off being like I'm going to go with this guy who I know will run me over um, I don't see how anybody would start their general manager term being like, okay, I got the job two days in. I'm just ready to hand the keys off to somebody else and be like, all right, whatever you think, man. Yeah, well, I don't think that that would ever be the plan either, but I mean, isn't that reality though with Jim Harbaugh? Like if you are hiring him, he's not coming here to Minnesota unless he has what roster control, extremely long contract. He's going to look at Matt rules contract to be like, yeah. Okay. What did he get? Seven years. Sounds good. And Adolfo Mensa's contract is not seven years. So it's like who is given the power from the very start, even to get him in the door. And I think this is the biggest potential pitfall. I don't think you interview Jim Harbaugh unless you are very, very interested in hiring Jim Harbaugh. But if there's the one thing that's going to hold him back and just allow him to stay at Michigan, it would be roster control contract length, how much money was going to go out those are the types of things that could hold them up. Um, I wouldn't be scared of it right away because I'm sure that it would be like, Oh, great to be here with you. We worked out so great, but it wouldn't be the first time with Jim Harbaugh. It would be every time with Jim Harbaugh, just Google like Jim Harbaugh drama or, you know, whatever. Like that's what I did when I was writing my reaction piece. That's what I did. And here's what, here's what Jim Rome of all people said about Jim Harbaugh. But I thought that this was really well phrased. He said he runs way too hot and he's wearing people out. Don't get it twisted. He's a great coach, unbelievable coach, and he'll do a great job. But when you have a coach who wins as much as he wins and nobody is ever sorry to see him leave, it tells you something about the guy. Does that quote scare you? Yeah. Um, and frankly, like, what do you think this says about Adafo Mensa if he hires Jim Harbaugh? Like, I guess that's the main thing with me. Like, what does it say about him? Then if he is willing to go back down that road, because um, like I say, like it really is kind of handing off the keys to the car pretty early on. And even like you said, like because there have to become like he has to say, like, yep, you can have some control over this. Obviously, you'll have a big say in this, um, like instantly kind of ceding that control to the head coach. Like, what do you think that says about him? Because that would be my only concern is like if you're not willing to put your foot down against Jim Harbaugh. And and frankly, I don't know if you can get Jim Harbaugh here, um, as you mentioned, if you are aren't seeding that control. Like, what does that say about the new general manager then if he does hire somebody and gives up that right away within like a week? Unless that was never part of the deal anyway. I mean, that he would have complete roster control because he was asked about that. And he sort of gave an answer that implied that he was, but he did not confirm that he was. And if you didn't have complete roster control as the GM, would you want to tell everybody 
<laughs> Probably not, right? Well, um, I got no say here, man. I'm just here, okay? <laughs> Sorry. This is going to be the coach calling the shots. <laughs> I, I'm just collaborating. Sorry, guys. I'm like uh, Kirk. I'm just here doing my job, okay? I'll just stay in my lane. You know what I would say about him? It would say, I mean, bold would be the thing I think it would say. It would okay. say that he's got this one shot at being a GM and he's going to go all in and get a coach that he thinks has the greatest chance to win and throw the rest of the caution to the wind and not bring in somebody that is sort of uh, brothers in arms of building this football team together. Like that would be Patrick Graham. I was reading about Patrick Graham today. I was very impressed actually um, with his mentality and all these things toward analytics and things like that. I thought like, Oh, this, this seems like a really good person for Adafo Mensa to be with. And then they interviewed Jim Harbaugh or at least reportedly as of this moment, they have not announced it. Um, so I, I guess we'll see if that's officially official at some point, but, um, I just thought like my view of him from only one press conference was that he would want somebody where they could sort of walk hand in hand with the whole rest of the organization, a Rocco Baldelli, so to speak, right? Like somebody that's, that's just a, a cog in the machine. Jim Harbaugh is not a cog in the machine, but here's the thing though. And, and I'm sure that this first nine minutes and 20 seconds sounds like I hate it. I dev I don't, I, I really truly do not. I mean, when you look at the guy's record, it's kind of ridiculous, like 44, 19 and one when's the last time the Vikings over that section of time went 44, 19 and one or better. I mean, the guy took a team to a super bowl. He went 13 and three after they had been, guess what? Seven and nine, eight and eight, six and 10 sound familiar. And also Vic Fangio's part in this too, as defensive coordinator being kind of the de facto guy you would assume comes in. Like, I don't think that it's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I just think it would be extremely bold and risky to do for somebody in Adolfo Mensa's position. I'm with you. And frankly, like I just keep going back to the fact that Adolfo Mensa was in San Francisco during the falling out. And clearly I, I would just assume that in that situation, he saw how it played out and maybe he doesn't agree with everything that Jim Harbaugh did down the stretch either, or, you know, the, the way the interactions went or whatnot. But it tells me that he probably was sitting there watching and going, well, here's how I would have handled it differently. And I think maybe that this relationship could have been salvaged or it could have been handled a better way where we could have moved forward from it. And maybe he just has confidence in himself as like a relationship guy where he's like, I know how to communicate with Jim Harbaugh. I know how to handle or manipulate that relationship where we are, even if we have disagreements, we are still kind of steering the boat in the same direction together. And it's not turning into this headbutting situation all the time. Um, I know that Jim's a great coach and I know the warts and I think it's worth it. And I think that I can get the best out of Jim the same way he can get the best out of this team. So yeah, I'm with you. Like it is bold because frankly, like there is a situation where three years from now, maybe Jim Harbaugh is still here and you're not, um, you know, like that type of situation can play out where that's not the case. If you're hiring like a Patrick Graham. Uh, so I, I guess I kind of, in general, I like it. I mean, like Jim Harbaugh, he goes to three straight conference championship games and with two different quarterbacks, like you don't do that unless you can coach football. Um, and he's shown that at the, even the college level. And I know college does not translate to the pros, but he's clearly one of those guys where it has gone both ways. Um, so I think Adolfo Mensa being like, yep, I see the flaws. I know the history. I've had probably as good an idea of that as anybody else. And I'm still in and I'm still confident that I can make it work. I think that should give everybody else confidence that it can work. Because like if it was just somebody else, like if Adolfo Mensa was not in San Francisco, if he doesn't know how it played out, then you could be like, well, he's just going off his resume. But like he knows Jim Harbaugh and he saw him at the worst um, and he still likes him. So I think that says something about it. 
Well, it is also worth mentioning that it was Trent Balky who was involved there, and uh, his history since has not been all that impressive, I would say. And so you could understand that you know that might be part of it. But also, if it was only just there, he's been a headline maker in Michigan basically since the day he walked in the door. Now, this recent year, they were very good. And so people are talking about like, oh, Harbaugh, he's been great here. I looked at 2020 articles where people were saying, you know, why aren't the players doing this or whatever, responding to Jim Harbaugh and why is he causing this problem and that problem? But then, you know, he wins and it kind of goes away. And our last impression of him is like, Oh wow. He turned around Michigan and got them back to national prominence. And it's like, okay. Yeah. I mean, that just happened. Now let me ask you if this scares you when uh, the, over the three year period where they were at their best, or maybe I ran four, I probably ran four years, right? That was how long he was there four years. So during his entire tenure, the 49ers ranked third in rushing yards and 30th in passing yards. Now the league changes fast. And I'm not saying that Jim Harbaugh doesn't know how to coach football anymore because he went to college. I'm saying the league changes fast. And when you are, it was either second or third, one of the top rushing teams in the league during that time, 10 years ago, that was actually pretty darn effective. That was even just even think about when Russell Wilson first came into the league and Pete Carroll is running, you know, Marshawn Lynch all the time and then hitting some big plays with Russell Wilson. But how that doesn't really seem to work anymore. And now you see Mahomes and you see Josh Allen in these pass first offenses where they're throwing it all over the place, having the most success. Would it scare you that he's been away from this particular game for kind of a while now since 2014? I mean, I think that probably should concern everybody because we do see with like veteran coaches that the game can pass you by, but it doesn't pass everybody by. It doesn't pass Andy Reid by. It doesn't pass like, and I think the thing with Jim Harbaugh is like he takes Colin Kaepernick and he uses him to the fullest extent of his abilities. And, you know, like obviously Greg Roman was there and and they they ran an offense that definitely best fit Kaepernick, but that took ingenuity. Like going back into like the, the read option and, and spreading teams out and running read option, like that at the time looked like, I think a lot of people at the beginning of that were like, well, this isn't going to work. And yet it was one of the most effective offenses in football. So like, I'm not always like, Oh, we insist we have to run the ball. It's like, how creative are you? Um, how, how much are you willing to push the envelope? And yeah, Greg Roman had a lot to do with that, but the head coach signs off on it and they build the game plan together. And he f- clearly was able to say, well, like, here's our players, here's our strengths. Let's maximize them. And it wasn't even like, let's run Frank Gore into the line of scrimmage 30 straight times. And it wasn't like, oh, well, I think football's moving towards the pass. Let's throw it 50 times because that didn't fit their personnel either. Like they did, they got the most out of what they had. Um, And I think that's the thing for every coach, right? Like it's not always like, okay, this is moving towards Patrick Mahomes. We got to throw it 50 times. Even if your personnel, it doesn't work at all. Um, It's what do we have? How can we be creative to get the most out of this? Um, And we see San Francisco still right now. They don't throw the ball that much. um, And yet it's still a pretty dynamic offense because there are different ways to do it. And I think Jim Harbaugh has shown at least a willingness to find different ways and and at least embrace different ways to to move the ball in, in the most efficient way possible, whatever that is with who you have on your team. Now, this would be obscene speculation, but why not? Here we go. If Jim Harbaugh becomes the coach of the Minnesota Vikings, how do you think he looks at Kirk Cousins? Oh, man, I don't know. I mean, that's that's a tough one because I, I just know how I would look at Kirk Cousins. Um, and I will say that 
I don't think Kirk Cousins and Alex Smith are in the same boat, but he certainly was willing to move on from Alex Smith. Uh, and maybe that's an indicator that he just was willing to go, hey, this guy's not good enough. We need to find something different, uh, move on to something better that gives us a higher ceiling. Maybe. Um, I think the fact that he was – that them as an organization uh, with Jim Harbaugh on board there said, okay, yep, Alex Smith got us to a conference championship game, and yet it's clear he has limitations. And so let's move on to the guy that we think gives us a better chance. Um that would probably tell me that maybe with Kirk Cousins, they would look and say, well, it's clearly not working. And maybe they'll think, well, we can get more out of it, which I think is maybe like what coaches think coming into a situation. But I would think if you look at Alex Smith and what he did there, which was not bad at all with San Francisco and said, not quite good enough. I have a hard time thinking you wouldn't think the same thing looking at Kirk Cousins body of work here. Well, so there's two ways to look at it. There's the route that you just took, which is, well, like, Kansas city, they went from Alex Smith to a guy who was more athletic with a stronger arm and they had success in doing so and reached a super bowl and were one play away from winning a super bowl with Colin Kaepernick and his skill set, which is, you know, different from Alex Smith. There's that, but there's also, if you look at you know, kind of the landscape of where they are on the roster, you think, well, there's a rebuild route here. And that rebuild route is you move on from Kirk, you draft a quarterback, you start drafting defensive players and developing them. And then you save your money for the next year. And then you go crazy in free agency and we all have a grand time. But the other route would be stay with cousins. You draft a quarterback, maybe in the second, like they did in San Francisco or something, but you look to rebuild quickly through free agency through the draft for trying to draft potential starters because Jim Harbaugh wants to win now. And that's another part of it too, is that if you hire Jim Harbaugh, I just don't see how you could say to him, Hey Jim, let's just, let's just chill for a year. My friend, like get to know everybody, you know, let, let Vic Fangio teach some corners how to play and take it. Like he doesn't, he's not going to want to tack on a six and 11 season or something with a rookie quarterback onto his incredible record in the NFL based on what he did in San Francisco. And this is one thing that I've just continued to wonder over and over is do the Wilfs see this as something that needs to be rebuilt or do they see it as, ah, well, Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman, they screwed it up last year, but you and you, you guys could take us back to the top. And that keeps going through my head because I know what I think it should be. And I think I know what you think it should be. But if you hire Jim Harbaugh, it just probably isn't going to be that. No, because he really has never lost. I mean, I don't, he, it's not like he had to go through a rebuilding season in San Francisco, as you've discussed already on this podcast. Like, he's only one. Um, and he probably isn't looking to leave a really good situation in Michigan um, to come in and lose games. And like the thing about NFL rebuilds is they can be really quick, but you have to commit to like one year of it um, at at least. Um, And and if you do it right, then you can quickly get the wheels rolling. But I'm with you that if you bring in Jim Harbaugh right away and and now you're Jim Harbaugh is probably like, you probably bring in Jim Harbaugh. Like he's going to a situation where he thinks he can win. Right. Like that's probably the NFL situation that he's looking for. Like he's probably has had opportunities. Um, It seems like there's been interest in him uh, to come back to the game and, I'm assuming he was looking for the right spot and the right spot for him is probably where can I go win right now? So that, that probably does scare you that like, they're just going to kind of try to push through this and rebuild in one off season, whatever that looks like. And maybe that is Kirk cousins, or maybe that is a different quarterback um, and just 
okay, I think this defense is still good. Like these guys have been good in recent years. Let's just keep rolling forward with them, make the little cuts where we have to to make the money work and and call it good. So yeah, I think that's probably the biggest issue of concern with all of it is Jim Harbaugh is kind of a win now hire. Um, and this isn't a team that should be in a win now mode. Folks want to tell you about HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip the trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. The new year is a great time to focus on what's important to you, whether it's saving money by ordering less takeout, learning to cook, or just prioritizing your wellness. HelloFresh is here to help with endless options to make cooking at home simple and enjoyable. HelloFresh offers the flexibility that you need to easily customize your order. You can do that online or with their app. You can easily change your delivery day, your food preferences, your plan size, or you can skip a week whenever you need to. I've had a chance to try HelloFresh, and trust me, it is as easy as it sounds, and they sent me their Cheddar Wonder Burgers, which, look, if you're a football guy, the thing you're ordering is burgers, right? And uh, it was delicious and great, and I didn't have to drive to a fast food restaurant. So HelloFresh has been great for me, and you should check it out. Just go to HelloFresh.com slash Insider16 and use the code Insider16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash Insider16 for up to 16 meals free and three free gifts again hellofresh.com so uh, i was just pulling up here san francisco's drafting before jim harbaugh showed up you're going to be shocked at this they had an incredible run of great drafting right before he showed up as they were going you know six and ten and seven and nine and all that they got alex smith and frank gore in 05 they got vernon davis in 06 patrick willis and joe staley they draft in the same draft two Hall of Fame level players in that one same draft. Then Michael Crabtree after that, Mike Yapati after that, like then Colin Kaepernick comes in in 2011. They just hit home run after home run in each of these drafts. And the Vikings recent draft history is one very long Mike Piazza hitting it out of Dodger Stadium home run with a wide receiver and a whole lot of pop flies in the infield other than that. And that would be the difference because you you can always kind of talk yourself into like, well, San Francisco only went six and 10 and then he came in and 13 and three. So yeah, I see it like, right. But who's playing corner, 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 safety, linebacker, defensive end guard. Like there's just so much to fix here. So little money to do it with. And I just, I, this is why I hesitate because this was going to be my next question for you is to put odds on it. That's why I hesitate to put super high odds on it because what we talked about with roster control and then timeline for this, I suppose if you give the guy a John Gruden contract, which is, you know, worked out super great for Las Vegas, but if you give him a Matt rule or John Gruden contract, then yeah, he could say, great, let's trade this guy and this guy and I can rebuild for a year. But if it's not super long contract and he wants to win right away, I just don't see how you can have that kind of miraculous turnover or or turnaround with the people that you have. Isn't it like if they go with Jim Harbaugh, that had to be who was kind of in Adafa Mensa's mind from the beginning, right? And that had to be the vision that he kind of sold to the Wills from the beginning during his interviews. So 
then Jim Harbaugh is just kind of like the next step in it. And then at that point, this whole thing kind of would have been doomed from the start. I mean, like that would have just said that the that the Wolves didn't have the correct mindset hanging into it of what they were looking for. Um, Adolfo Menso just had this vision that maybe wasn't best for this team. And the Wolves were like, yep, that sounds awesome. Um, like Jim Harbaugh wouldn't even be the thing that doomed it at that point. It would have been doomed from the very beginning. Um, and you could be right about that. I mean, like the the whole thing with this team and the whole problem in recent years was that they always felt like they were one or two moves away. And if they go through all this change, change the whole regime and still maintain that thought of where it's just one or two moves away, then you kind of just manage to like reshuffle all the parts, but stay in the same spot. Um, and that would be disastrous for Minnesota, frankly. Like it's, I mean, anybody who just said this team was just poorly coached, like, yeah, that could have, that was true, but there was a lot that went into it. Um, and so if you literally just swap out the characters, uh, but the script stays the same, well then, you know, we could be looking at a lot more of the same here in the, in the near future. Yeah. And I think that's people's biggest concern is that you end up with a lot more of the same. And I think that if, if the vision doesn't go long-term, which is why I look at, you know, these other candidates and say like, Oh yeah, a lot of these guys work. Uh, Nate Hackett, that guy will work because you could take a long-term vision with him. If it's a slow first year to rebuild, uh, to put the pieces back together. Well, that's okay. I mean, he's just taking over and he's learning too. And we even saw this with um, Brandon Staley in Los Angeles this year where the guy certainly has a lot to learn still about being a head coach, but has really good potential of like connecting with players and understanding to some extent analytics and fourth downs and things like that. Um, that, uh, you know, that's, that's what they needed. They weren't going to win a Super Bowl this year, the Los Angeles Chargers, but with Justin Herbert, they sure could someday. So they have to have that kind of thing. I was looking at this like that, not like, oh, they're going to bring in this big superstar head coach. And, that, and that's why this sort of, you know, took me aback. Um, all of a sudden, I wanted to ask you about um, you cover the Wolves a lot. You're you're Vikings, too, of course, and that's why you're here. But uh, the Wolves are, are kind of your main beat at the Pioneer Press. Now, Gerson Rosas came in and I've used him as an example of the Gerson Prosas is what people were calling it. And that didn't really go the way it was expected and yet set the team up still as where they stand right now. It really well. By, but but when he left, people were really unhappy in the front office with the way he handled things. I mean, if, if you were telling, if, if uh, Quasi Adafo Mensa came up to you and said, Jace, tell me, he's kind of my kind of guy, that Gerson, other than the PR thing, don't mention that. And just give him, give him advice. Give him advice on how to, how to handle all this, because I think it's a very tricky sort of needle to thread of involving everybody, but doing what you got to do having a pro process 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 any of those things and and also like getting everyone involved but not manipulating people like i think it's really tough to do and very easy to talk about so what did you learn about that from covering gerson and the wolves i, I think it's just one thing where maybe just like say what you actually mean um because on top like when you first come in and you sell like that, we're going to be super collaborative. We're a family. Everyone's going to be all involved. We're going to treat everybody like family, all these things. And then you're going to go in and be like one of the most cutthroat um, executives there can be. And not only with like players and whatnot and like, you know, Andrew Wiggins big thing was always like, you know, this guy sitting there like holding my baby, telling me all this stuff. And then all of a sudden I'm traded. Um, and then you've got the other front office members were like, yeah, we're going to be really collaborative. And then he takes all this Intel and just, veers left like you know like it's like you think you're heading down one way and he's like nope we're going this way right at the last second and then everybody's like what kind of process did we even have here it doesn't seem like we even had a 
decision-making process. It just seemed like you knew what you were going to do. You locked in and you did it. And sometimes you're going to be right doing that. And sometimes you're going to be wrong, but maybe like have a consistent process and take everybody's intel in and, and you don't have to agree with it. That is the biggest thing. That's one thing that Gerson Rosas maybe should get credit for sometimes is like, if you don't agree with it, then you don't have to do just what other people believe on your staff. Like you can take the intel and say, um, I hear you, but I don't think so. Um, it's something that I think Chris Finch does really well on the coaching staff is like, yep, I hear what you're saying. We're not doing it. And I'll explain to you why I thought that later. Um, you know, he might take 20 tips and do two of those things. And that's fine. As long as everybody still feels heard and valued, and there can just kind of be a mutual respect there. Like, Hey, I have the final call. This is my decision. Um, I'm going to be the one who, because my head is the one, like I, my name goes on all these things, but let's talk about it. Let's, let's, uh, let's get your point of view, your point of view, your point of view. And then I will take that information and I promise you, I will consider it and I will value it. And then I will make my decisions based off of that, but it might not be what you want, but I promise we'll, your input is valued and, and will at least be considered. Right. And I think you have to show people that sometimes. Right. To, you know, and sometimes, yeah, this is the hard thing though, because sometimes you do have to do something that you don't necessarily want to do because that's what your process said you should do. Like, okay, we're going to plug it in the boop, boop, boop. Let's throw it in the numbers and let's throw the scouts out here. And, oh, this is like those people who mess around with pro football reference until certain quarterbacks look better than they are. You're like, oh, <laughs> let's, let's type it in this way. And like, oh, well, that doesn't say what I want to say. Uh, let's make it uh, since since the middle of 2020. Boop, boop, boop. Uh, now he's got the top rating in the league. Send that out the tweet. Like, if you don't think that real GMs do this, they absolutely do. They, everyone, everyone does. It's a natural human thing to do, to want to be right. And I think that that is the hardest part. And we will learn as we go along if if even Quasi is the one that's responsible for calling the shots, because if it's Harbaugh, we're going to put everything on him. But I think that's the hardest thing to do is when the data and the scouting and everything else comes back. Let's say you love Matt Corral and it all comes back. Kenny Pickett, you're going to be like, um, <laughs> and then if you, and then if you pick the wrong one and you mess up, guess who's mad at you? Literally every single person. And I think that Gerson Rosas, a lot of the time just said, okay, well, I, you know, all right. I, the process didn't come out how I wanted. I'm taking this guy anyway. And that's where people always end up manipulated or feeling alienated. The other thing is Jace, if you don't win, everyone hates you anyway. It doesn't really matter. Right. There is, there is something about just doing it your way. Right. Like, and it's, it's like, if, if it doesn't work out, okay. But if you do something in a way that you don't believe in, and then it doesn't work out, then you're going to have regrets about it for years to come. And you'd be like, I wish I had just done what I wanted. Um, and then maybe that wouldn't have worked, but at least I would have felt better about it. Like D'Angelo Russell, it was like, he targeted him from the start and it was just all about like, do we include this pick? Um, you know, this, this un only top three protected pick from two years from now, do we include that in the deal? And I think a lot of people were like, value wise, it doesn't add up as a good deal for us at that point. But Gerson Rosas is like, I don't really care. I want D'Angelo Russell on my team. I've been eyeing him forever. I think he's what we need. And if that's what it costs then you know what? That's what it costs in my mind. And that's just the, the price of doing business and getting a player of that talent, regardless of what like the value chart or whatever says that, that we spend months putting together um to, to try to decide if we're winning these trades or not doesn't matter i want d'angelo russell it's trade deadline day we're gonna make this swap and you know what at least at that point if you're like the guy in that position um you can say well at least i got the players i wanted and if it doesn't work well then i was just wrong 
Folks, support for Purple Insider is brought to you by Manscaped. They are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools, and they recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle Performance Package. Four million men have trusted Manscaped, and you can check out their exclusive offer for 20% off and free shipping with the code 20insider at manscaped.com. Manscaped sent me the performance package and I could say that it's a game changer, especially when it comes to their nose and eyebrow hair trimmer called the Weed Whacker. I'm a unibrow guy, so I need to keep that in check for all the YouTube videos and streams that we do. You've probably also heard of the lawnmower as well, and they've come out with a 4.0 version, which is waterproof. It has an LED light and advanced skin safe technology, so you don't have to worry about any nicks or cuts. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code 20insider. That's 20insider at manscaped.com. 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. The code 20insider. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Yeah, and then, but right, that's the thing. If you get it right, then everyone's like, Man, that Gerson, he got it right. We didn't know anything. <laughs> and if you get it wrong, they're like, we hate you. Um, that was uh, a story that Jim Monas, who I had on, who was the former Bills director of player personnel, told about Sammy Watkins, is that everybody in the building loved the idea of trading up for Sammy Watkins until it didn't go right. And then everyone said, well, what were we doing? Why did we do that? It's like, this is this is how difficult it can be, is that we usually have all the answers, but when you start making those calls and it's 50-50, um, something that, uh, Chris Collinsworth coincidentally said to me, um, was you have, when it calls are 50, 50, you just make the call and then fix it because you, you never know, right? It's a coin flip. So you just do it and then fix it if it goes wrong. And that's one of the good things about drafting quarterbacks is if you draft the wrong one, just fix it, draft the next one. Um, last thing for you is just about Tom Brady and the bleep show online today. Imagine not being on the internet and just being like living your life, doing regular stuff, not knowing Jim Harbaugh was interviewing and just um, not realizing that Tom Brady retired and then didn't retire. And then now no one knows if he's retired. Uh, what is your take on what transpired with Tom Brady? My take on the idea that we have no idea what, what transpired or what has transpired. Just, how ridiculous NFL reporting is. I mean, that might, maybe that's the angle. I don't know. I mean, I think that he's retiring and people weren't supposed to find out. Right. Is that, is that what it is? Is that somebody said something they weren't supposed to say? That's kind of my read on the whole thing. And like, we don't know, but generally just from like being in this industry, it sure seems like, okay, I was going to have this grand announcement. Like Tom Brady does a lot of stuff where he produces a lot of things. You know, he's got like his weekly podcast. I mean, he had that man in the arena with ESPN plus, which is pretty good. I've seen a couple episodes of it, but um, plug for him, I guess he needs it. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where he probably had this big idea of here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to put this video together and then I'll have this Instagram post. And then, you know, and then like five minutes after that, I'll come out with this letter, um, you know, that I'll post on Instagram as well. And then when all the thunder is taken out of that, it's like, okay, that's not how it was supposed to go. This was not supposed to come out in an Adam Schefter tweet. I'm going to go ahead and make some calls, have my agent make calls, whatever the case may be, and say, oh, he doesn't know yet. He's not even close. And then a week or two from now, I can do it the way I wanted to do it. And I created enough doubt where people might be like, okay, he actually is. But this is why like, 
to make a little plug for newspapers. You know how plugged in we are. Uh, we all are online all the time and reacting to things within 30 seconds. Sometimes it is nice to just wake up the next day and be like, I didn't pay attention to anything yesterday. Oh, here's the news. Tom Brady might be retiring. Looked like he was. Oh, maybe he's not. Okay, so they just aren't quite sure yet. Um, you know, and just get the whole scope of everything all at once. Um, you know, 20 hours after the fact and not have to like freak out, react to each piece of information as it comes out over hour by hour. But yeah, I'm with you. I think he probably is retiring too. And man, it just stinks because there are like 10 good quarterbacks in the NFL, like great ones. And every time we lose one, pour one out for him. Kirk to Tampa Bay. Hey, it's another possibility. Um, a lot of doors are opening, <laughs> you know, like as Ben Roethlisberger retires, which we knew, obviously Tom Brady retires, um, there are a lot of openings, teams that where you might be like, well, they're in kind of win-now mode. They look like they could contend right now. Um, they could sure use a quarterback who throws for 30, 35 touchdowns, four, more than 4,000 yards, pretty good completion percentage. <laughs> a lot they're of things listening. for these teams to consider. Chase, they're not listening. <laughs> uh, no, but if you take only uh, first downs when it's sunny out, the numbers are great. Um, but <laughs> don't mix coverages should be illegal. should be illegal. You should have to say what your coverage is for the game and move on. I know I've annoyed some people with this bit, but I'm going to keep it up. Day 19 of Kirk Cousins saying nothing after his coach and general manager were fired and a new general manager was named still has said nothing. You know who? I don't know what his, what are his numbers in the pro bowl? They've got to be lights out. <laughs> the team can only cover a certain way. There's no That's pass true. rush like no ever. stunts. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They, always, they always talk I about mean, that on the broadcast. Can't I, mean, I, I, I would think that they've got to be pretty solid. I don't know. I'll have to do the research. Uh, Ian Harditz, who works for uh, Pro Football Focus, had maybe the best line because we were all like looking at Brady going like, wow, okay, here's his accomplishments and how amazing are these, which here was my favorite. So I came up with a new theory, Jace, because you and I talk about this all the time when we just talk football is sort of like how you win with quarterbacks and things like that and which quarterbacks can win and why, because all the numbers, everyone has a hundred quarterback rating. If you start looking around, literally everyone has like a hundred quarterback rating. So how do you separate what it really means is a fascinating question. But Tom Brady, my theory is a franchise, a true franchise quarterback gives you 10 shots in their career for you to win a Super Bowl. And what I mean is you go into the playoffs thinking we can actually win the Super Bowl, not we're help. We're thankful we got here. Mm -hmm. So like with breeze, um, 10 wins or more eight times. And with, uh, you know, Rogers, I think it's 10 with Tom Brady. It's 11 wins or more 17 times. And this is why when people say, Oh, well, I could never look at QB wins like, well, then how do you evaluate Brady? Because his career quarterback rating is I think eighth ever, but there's no way he's eighth. Right. So it's like, I don't know, man, like usually if you got a quarterback that great, there's, must be stuff that's baked in that those box score numbers aren't really telling you like how silly it is that we throw touchdowns in. So if you, this is my John Elway rant and I'm sorry to do this to you because I was about to wrap up and now you have to stay here longer missing Royal rumble, but like John Elway would have seasons where he threw like 14, 15 touchdowns or something. And they'd have the fifth best offense in the league. And you're like, was it Bobby Humphrey and Glenn Milburn? Probably not. Right. That's all. Was it it's, Kevin Falk? It's 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 like last year, not this past year, but the year before that. Green Bay threw the ball an absurd number of times inside the five yard line, um, and like Devontae Adams had, and it had like more than twenty targets inside the five yard line. And so Aaron Rodgers passed 
you know, and he was great at it, obviously. Aaron Rodgers passing touchdown numbers spiked significantly. It's like he wouldn't have been any less of a quarterback had they just turned and handed to Aaron Jones at the two-yard line and scored. Right. Like, that doesn't mean he had a worse season uh, because they're throwing all these one-yard touchdowns. Like, touchdowns is definitely a number where it's like, yeah, it means something. Um, and the, certainly there are some, you know, it's it can be hard to score in the red zone and that can differentiate quarterbacks. But, like, that number is pretty over overweighted. Like you said, it's like, is the offense that the guy is running, is it scoring or not? Because that's the whole mission. Um, and if it is, then you are doing a great job. And if it's not, then you're not doing enough. Um, and Very I guess it's, especially scoring when it matters, um, when the games are still in, in, in doubt. But I think you'd be much better off evaluating quarterbacks just by what their offense did because uh, Brady and New England from 02 to 2019, they scored 400 more points than the next best team. That was not a mistake. That did not happen by accident. That's your quarterback. So anyway, well, that was the rant. Um, go catch the rest of Royal Rumble, Jace. And I really appreciate you taking time because I, when stuff like this happens, I just want to jump on here and yell out whatever I think. And uh, I'm glad that you were um, willing to do this on a Saturday night and apologize to your wife for me if you could. I just, I'm just want everybody to know that when you asked if I was scared of things, like I'm just not scared of anything because no, football, football guys never are. Um, right. so, I, I didn't mean to say that. Yeah. You can't, can't live in fear. Wasn't it funny? I'm sorry. <laughs> Wasn't it funny? One more rant, please. This is how Minnesota conversations work anyway. It's like people are walking out of the media room. This always happens. And you're yes, like, it does. Hey, just you, you uh, get your credential for this thing or whatever. And you're like, oh, well, let me talk to you about that for 15 more minutes. It's always like they got your jacket on, you're sweating. How funny is it? So with uh, Adolfo Mensa talking about like my first meeting with John Lynch, I was like, what's oh, analytics? Yes. And I threw yes. in an expletive. And we're like, in no other sport would you have to say this, man. <laughs> like you cover basketball. I came up in baseball uh, doing minor league play-by-play and stuff like that. If executives got hired in basketball and baseball with his background, we'd all be like, analytics, man. Cool, right? And he'd be like, yeah, okay. But in football, it's like, no, guys, but I like football. I will tackle. I will tackle any reporter right now. Larry Fitzgerald. I will tackle. I will tackle the shit out of you right now. Just like, come on, man. It's cool. It's cool. Like it's, every other sports doing this. But you're. I mean, it's exactly how it is, though. Like you know, I'm sure on that day they're like, "What are you?" Like John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are probably like, "What are you?" Like, oh, he's our analytics guy. He's probably. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know what analytics are. What does that even mean? He's and then and they're like, oh, okay, good. And he's like, I do have this data though that might actually help us make better decisions. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And they're like, oh, oh, yeah, that that sounds interesting. Yeah, he's like, I'm not an analytics guy though. Like, I just have numbers and things that can help us out. They're like, oh, that actually sounds useful. Thank you. Yeah, right. we'll keep you around. I, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, dude, man, this is what separates you. This is like the monumental hiring in the National Football League. So it's cool if you lean into it. Like, you don't have to run away from it um analytics can be a lot of things so anyway uh that was just sort of made me laugh a little bit it's like you always got to prove your football a little bit um (laughs) which is funny because we've talked about this before is that we're the most emasculated people ever around pro athletes we're just like yeah jeremiah searles that dude is uh six five and 325 and could pick me up and throw me across this room but can you tell me about outside zone sir (laughs) (laughs) you're looking up at carl anthony towns like hello you're very large. <laughs> you just look at, I mean, you just look at like the biceps and stuff and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like my, that's pretty much my whole body. Uh, I'm a into one. thinking man myself. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. I'm a keyboard warrior. Uh, so. <laughs> right. Okay. Jace, I'll stop. Uh, I appreciate your time. Jace Frederick, pioneer press. 
get the newspaper folks. It's very important. And uh, we will talk to you again after we have two teams in the Super Bowl. So thanks, Jace. Thanks, man. Folks, we've got an even better offer to tell you about from Soda Stick. If you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, one word, you can get 15% off your purchase. That's right. At SodaStick.com, your place for Minnesota sports-inspired apparel, you can get 15% off just by using the code PURPLEINSIDER. I've told you about all the great football designs, but they've added a few more, including the Axe is Back for Minnesota football fans. You can get that on a shirt, on a hat, and also Randy Moss is the GOAT, the Purple People Eaters, Bud Grant designs for the old school fan, plus the hockey and basketball teams are both actually exciting this year, and Soda Stick has you covered there as well. Go to SodaStick.com, that is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com, and use the code PURPLEINSIDER for 15% off.